There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. Welcome back to the Liftbridge Podcast. This is your host, John Laurie, and we're so glad that you joined us again for another wonderful episode. Coming to you from the Zenith City, the wolf snows of Lake Superior, and our episode today is the Hawaii episode. Yes, the Hawaii episode. What could be better for this time of year than to be thinking about Hawaii? So we hope you enjoy this podcast. We hope that is a blessing to you today, and we hope it lifts your eyes up to your Creator, your Savior, and your Redeemer. And we'll join you in the next segment. Hawaiian sunset Peeping from the sea Smiles and says aloha to his sweetheart Hawaii. The drowsy islands slumber one by one, close their sleepy eyes and say good night to the sun. And Hawaii, like millions of times before, blossoms in her lover's arms once more. Too soon the sunrise will wake her from her sleep. So until tomorrow, sleep Hawaii, sleep. And Hawaii, like millions of times before, blossoms in her lover's arms once more too soon the sunrise will wake her from her sleep so until tomorrow sleep a while sleep so until tomorrow Sleep a wisely. Aloha. Aloha and mahalo. 
for listening to our Hawaiian episode. Uh, thanks for listening to my rendition of Elvis Presley's Hawaiian Sunset. And if you didn't pick up on that, there's some pretty big Elvis influence there in how I did it. Pardon some of the technical difficulties we had. This is a growing podcast, and you're helping it to grow. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit now in this segment about Hawaii's really amazing history. And obviously, this is an awful, that's a big topic. So I'm going to make it, I'm going to go in deeper, and I'm just going to talk to you about the history of missions in Hawaii. Now, one of the things that is so cool about the story of missions in Hawaii, people coming to know the Savior Jesus Christ in this beautiful place is that many people have this false narrative in their minds that uh, usually missions were an accompaniment of basically imperialism and um, that it was something that was imposed from without. But when you look at the history of missions in Hawaii, you find that that is not the case at all. You find that, in fact, it was something that the Hawaiian people, uh, the Hawaiian royalty welcomed. They were very excited about it. And that's why part of why it was so successful. Um, I'm going to talk to you tonight more as a tourist than as somebody who's got all the dates and places and pronunciations at his fingertips. So, uh, bear with me, but I think you're going to really enjoy what I have to say. So on our first trip to Hawaii, my wife and I went there for our honeymoon. And we had an amazing time. Uh, we had a great, great time. We saw so many cool things. And uh, we went up on top of Mount Haleakala. We were snorkeling in the bays. Uh, we went to the road to Hana. Uh, we were in the jungle. Of course, we bought a coconut. You have to buy a coconut. And we did basically everything that we could possibly think of to do while we were there. One of the things we did was we went to church. And the pastor wasn't there at Lahaina Baptist that Sunday, but there was a professor at a local college who said that he was going to share about the history of missions in Hawaii. I had actually read a little bit about this, before I went. So I kind of knew what he was talking about. But on our most recent trip to the Big Island, we stayed in Kona, which is where the missionaries first arrived. And they, there's a rock in the harbor, a black piece of rock, that is called the Hawaiian Plymouth Rock. And it's a very, very significant spot in the history of Hawaii. And there's some really cool stories about it. And if you go really not far away, maybe two stones throws, two coconut throws away from this rock, you will find the oldest church in Hawaii. And it is just a really, really special place that we absolutely loved visiting. And uh, we visited there more recently on our trip in September to the Big Island. So, um, let me kind of get into this history there. But, of course, this is a history that continues 
to grow. Uh, the history of people finding the Lord Jesus is something that continues in Hawaii. There is a vibrant Christian culture. There is a traditional Christian culture there. And it is something that, unfortunately, is under assault. Uh, of course, we know that that's just like the rest of the world. But when you get to understand this for yourself, it's just so much more special. It makes it less of a tourist destination. And you realize this is a special place that has its own purpose in God's kingdom. And it just makes you want to go back. So uh, if you're interested in some of this, I'd encourage you to to reach out to Mokua Aikaua Church in Kona. It's the oldest Christian church in the islands. And they have a lot of people as part of the church who know a lot about the history of their church, which is essentially the history of Christianity in the islands. So, let's, uh, let's just kind of go into the history now. So, here's the amazing thing. There's this man named uh, King Kamehameha I. And he was not a Christian. He was a very smart, very strategic, very calculating guy. And it was his desire to unite the Hawaiian islands. And he had uh, basically, if you kind of understand this, and you read between the lines, and you, you try to understand this from a Christian viewpoint, uh, it seems to me that King Kamehameha, for all of his virtues and wonderful things, definitely... Um, was compromised by uh, attachment to um, idolatrous religion and uh, and even demonic influence. Um, he definitely believed that he had been able to unite the Hawaiian Islands uh, because of his uh, connections to... Uh, these demonic influences that he um, he had in his life. And it really reminded me a lot of uh, when I was reading about Alexander the Great. But King Kamehameha um, was approached by missionaries um, and uh, he never gave his permission. And one of the interesting things about this is that uh, he once <laughs> told this missionary, you know, I'd be happy to have you come and tell my people um, about your God, but what I'd like you to do first is to jump off this cliff. And if you jump off this cliff and you survive, you can do it. Okay, well, <laughs> obviously there was a big tongue-in-cheek uh, moment there. But I really, I really think that if the missionaries at that time had been more equipped to understand power encounters and the power of God available to them through their authority in Christ, I think they would have been more equipped to say, well, you know what, we are not allowed to tempt our God. And that would be according to our God tempting him, testing him. However, and then they could have come up with their own Elijah moment 
in Mount Carmel. And I, I think the history there might have been a little bit different. But that didn't happen. Obviously, they didn't jump off any cliffs. And so in his lifetime, um, the missionaries did not reach the Hawaiians. However, um, they tried. And a group of missionaries in Boston who were connected back to uh, the historic movement of the Puritan separatists that we call the Pilgrims, they prepared a whole bunch of people. There's some really cool stories if you if you uh, ever get a chance to visit or look at any of the material from Mokua Aikua Church. Um, there's some really neat stories about some of these missionaries. One of the men, uh, they were not allowed to travel without being married. And uh, for some of these guys, it came down to the wire. Um, this one guy uh, was already engaged, but his fiance. uh was forbidden to go on the trip uh, with by with uh, by her parents, and so the engagement was broken, and so then he had to find somebody else to marry, and uh, he he ended up succeeding. But part of his proposal, he said to this girl, "You know, I need an answer tomorrow. Uh, I'd like you to marry me, but." Um, Please get back to me because if you don't say yes, I have to find somebody else tomorrow. <laughs> so very different, very different, but I believe it was a long-lasting successful marriage. However, um, back to these missionaries. They started sailing. It was a very long trip. They were in the Brig Thaddeus. And while they were making their way around the Horn, uh, a lot changed in Hawaii. Excuse me. Uh, you know we're too in far too far into the segment here to go back now for just one little hiccup one little burp so we got to keep going and uh <laughs> and uh king kamehameha the 1st passed away his son came to the throne however one of king kamehameha's wives who is very influential and i her name escapes me at the moment but she's a very influential woman in the history of Hawaii, she persuaded him to break the system of kapu, or taboo. And this system, which is very interesting learning about, was very, a uh, very uh, difficult system uh, for the common people to live under. It definitely was a system that gave a lot of privilege to the ali'i, or the nobles. And uh, if you study the history of Hawaii, you learn that the Ali'i were um, a different ethnicity probably from the, from the noble, from the um, common people, from the common Polynesians. There, there might have been some mixing of blood there, but um, it, it's kind of a similar situation to the Normans and the Saxons in England. But it was a very difficult system for the common people to live under, um, there were be, because of the um, it was part of the idolatrous system of worship. Um, there were probably many things about it that um, probably made a lot of sense, but there was also um, you know for for the climate and everything. However, um, let's just say that 
this queen, as there were many other people in the, the islands at that time, felt that it was something that its time had come and gone and it needed to be done. And so she persuaded her uh, her husband's son, King Kamehameha II, that he should eat bananas with her in public. And this would break the system of Kapu. And if the, the king was... The, nobody could hold the king accountable for that. He was the king after all. And so by doing this, they effectively ended the system of Kapu. There was a, a brief rebellion um, by some of the Ali'i about this, but by the time the missionaries had, had arrived, um, this issue had been settled. Um, essentially, the, the pagan gods had been put away. Um, one of the priests had received a dream in which he was told that um, the new god was coming to the island and he would come in a black box. He would come in, to a certain rock in Kailua Harbor and so this priest uh, went to the rock and he had men stationed there waiting. He burned down his, his pagan temple because he believed this vision he had received. So you can see that um, this King Kamehameha would, the first would probably have been a very uh, challenging, very imposing person to, for the missionaries to deal with. However, the second king, King Kamehameha II, um, was much more open. He invited the missionaries to come and preach to the people. They received it gladly. It made a huge impression on them. And it ended up just being a very wonderful thing because the missionaries spread throughout the islands. Uh, they didn't just stay in Kona. That was the first place that they they came in fact when they got off the brig they stepped onto the rock that this priest had seen in his dream and they were carrying a bible for the king in a black box and they were allowed to preach to the people people began to receive the gospel uh the uh people started sending missionaries of their own to the many difficult to reach valleys throughout the islands. And the people um, soon had, in a very short period of time, they had their language written down and they had the Bible published in their own tongue. And uh, many of the, the nobles, including... I. I think it was Kamehameha III, were involved in doing some of the translation work for some of the religious texts. I don't know if the king helped translate the Bible, but he did help translate, I believe, the Book of Common Prayer. However, you can see that um, that uh, here you had the king uh, invite the missionaries in. The people gladly received it. And it was part of this same... Um, preparation that God was doing sovereignly uh, to bring about a new king, to break the system of Kapu, uh, to bring these missionaries at just the right time. They didn't know about these things when they got started. Um, 
to have this Bible even down to the color of the box that the Bible was in, it's just an amazing, amazing story. And one of the things that's so important about this is that by the 1880s, the the people of Hawaii themselves were largely Christian and sincere in their faith. Um, and uh, I, I heartily encourage you to visit a Hawaiian church while you're there. Um, there's many, many wonderful churches in the islands. Uh, it's neat to see some of the ones that were built by um, early on. It, Mokua Aikua is, uh, I believe, over 200 years old. And it's just so neat. It's built out of uh, indigenous, indigenous materials to the island. I encourage you to, uh, to look into some of this history for yourself. And I'll tell you why that's so important in the next segment. One of the reasons it's so important to understand the Christian past of Hawaii, to understand the Christian present of Hawaii, is to understand that God sovereignly moved and put his claim on these islands uh, at this time. And not only did he really um, break into this this, uh, people and this culture, but these people adopted uh, not, they did not just uh, take upon themselves the white man's religion. They, they really had this faith for themselves. It was something that became very important and very precious to them. This is so important because if you go to one of the national parks today, you will see that the pagan... Um, the vestiges of of paganism that are still in the islands are essentially all federally subsidized. (laughs) And this is something that I I could go on a long rant about, but I, I think it's really important for us to understand that God made this claim on this island. The people claimed Christianity and Christ for themselves. Uh, they themselves got rid of idolatry. And there were still some holdovers and some some people, you know, kind of like, much like Julian the Apostate. There were still people who were um, not happy about this, but very much the minority. But what's interesting is that you will find that the tourism industry and the federal government in Hawaii have really tried to push these vestiges of paganism and make it seem like this is the heritage of the Hawaiian people that is um, still very much a part of their common belief and their uh, way of doing things today. And it just isn't so. And uh, I think it's important for us to understand that um, 
there are forces in this world that are trying to rewrite history, that are trying to push paganism, that are trying to fight back against the victories that God has so plainly won. And it's important for us to have the true history as part of our understanding of the world that we live in. And what's so fun about this is that Hawaii is such a beautiful place. It's not just a tourist destination. It's a place with its own history. And it's a place that's important to God. And uh, there's a lot we can learn from learning about that history. We can also learn a little bit by looking at it as a mirror for the world around us. Where are the elements that we see um, pushing paganism today? Well, it's among the elite. And they do. how do they do this? They do this through government. And they do it in the name of, of uh, uh, civil rights. They do it in the name of religious values. But ultimately, why are they doing it? They're doing it because they are pagans. And they're trying to resist God. However, we know how that ends up. We know how it ends. (laughs) And uh, all you have to do is read Psalm 2 to know that God is laughing at them right now. But if you go on a trip to Hawaii, you will know now the truth. And it will enhance your enjoyment. You can stand at the edge of the volcano and know this isn't an idol to the people anymore. Maybe only to a few. Um, But it's an amazing display of Jesus Christ's power. And when you go up to those beautiful mountains, the active volcanoes on the big island, you can just praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And like my wife and I did, uh, we went there at night so we could see the, the lava glow in the dark and We could see all of the stars above, and we knew God made those stars. He made the volcano, and we sang some hymns to the Lord. So I hope that blesses you. Look up to the Creator this week. Look up to His Son, Jesus Christ, and I hope that this blesses you. Well, the old clock on the wall is telling me it's time to go. We hope you enjoyed our Hawaii episode today. And maybe it will motivate you to look longingly at that uh, beautiful chain of islands in the Pacific just a little bit differently. And uh, maybe you felt some of the beautiful warmth of Hawaii in my recollections of the beautiful trip that we took this past September. Um, That's all the time we got for today. Until next time. Uh, Keep your powder dry, watch out for bears, watch out for deer, and be blessed.